Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Christmas is the story of God's unconventional, radical, generous, over-the-top love reaching out to people who don't deserve it. The Bible says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. I love that word, lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. The, the Father loves us in ways that we can't even imagine. We, we certainly don't understand it. E- even though He enjoyed such a rich, meaningful, purposeful, eternal relationship with His only Son in heaven, He sent Jesus to demonstrate how much He loves us. It's a radical kind of love, the love of the Father. We, we read from Luke chapter 2, just a moment ago, Joseph and Mary went up from Nazareth to the town of Bethlehem to register for this census that had been decreed. Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. They were only engaged, but she was supernaturally pregnant uh, with child. And while they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for Mary to give birth to this baby. And his name is Jesus. He is the Savior. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the Wonderful Counselor. He is Emmanuel, God with us. So the Father in heaven actually configured and supernaturally uh, oversaw all of the circumstances. So the timing of Jesus' birth in Bethlehem uh, would be perfect. The timing would be perfect. In fact, in Galatians chapter 4, the Bible says, when the fullness of time had come, at just the right moment, God sent forth His Son to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So at just the right time, God sent His Son. He's never late, right? Just the right time, Jesus came. That's the essence of Christmas. See, He he sent His Son into the world because He loves us. And sending Jesus was the ultimate demonstration of the love of the Father. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, so that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. It's absolutely clear from Scripture that God took the first step toward us. God initiated this relationship with us. God instigated this new friendship with us. God so loved the world. Which means, among other things, that Jesus loves those who are marginalized by society. It says in Luke chapter 4, verse 17, that on the, on the Sabbath day when, when Jesus was in the synagogue, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So that passage, among other things, makes it uh, undeniably clear that the Lord is concerned about people who, uh, by society's standards, are, are sort of second class. They are shunned by the rest of society. If not, at minimum, they are misunderstood by the rest of us. He's talking about the poor, the prisoners, the blind, the oppressed, the mentally ill. And he loves them all. And, and, and so should we. That's the idea. Jesus came as this ultimate example of, of love so that we could learn how to love others too. 31-year-old Jermaine Wilson grew up in the town of Levington, Kansas, and he was a drug dealer out of his own childhood apartment. He started using drugs at age 11, uh, was in juvenile detention by 15. By 21, he was serving hard time in, in one of the state prisons. It was there that this convicted drug dealer came to the realization that many of us have come to also uh, and, and, and Jermaine put it this way, if I don't change, I'm, I'm either going to spend the rest of my life in prison or dead in a casket. Those aren't two great options. And in a rather strange turn of events, Jermaine Wilson is now the mayor of Levingworth, Kansas, where he grew up. He's the mayor of the town. While he was in prison, he experienced the life-changing, transformational power of the Holy Spirit of God. Someone cared enough about this prisoner to go into the prison and, and uh, they, they would put on services and they would share the gospel, they would tell about the love of Jesus, and one by one these prisoners would come to faith in Jesus Christ, be baptized, and then start teaching and discipling other prisoners in the prison. And Jermaine Wilson was one of those guys. He was soundly converted by the power of God. His life changed. He got out of prison, put his life back together, and now is, he's now the mayor of the town in which he grew up. Only God could, do, could orchestrate something like that. But Jesus said, remember just a moment ago, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor the marginalized people of our culture. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, including men and women in prison. You may feel like your circumstances are a bit of a prison sentence these days. Life is difficult for some of us. I know that. You may be struggling with a, a broken relationship or desperate financial situation. Maybe it's a dysfunctional family or you're discouraged or even depressed at this time of the year. It's, it's even worse. It's difficult. And, and as a result of that, you feel marginalized, right? You want to just withdraw and spend time by yourself. You don't want to be with people. You don't want to go out anywhere. You don't want to do the Christmas shopping. You don't want to come to church. You don't want to go to the Christmas party. You feel marginalized. Well, Jesus understands. He understands completely. In fact, the Bible says that he's, a, he's like a high priest who, who is able to sympathize with us. 
He empathizes with your loneliness, your, the dysfunction in your family. He understands that. He gets it. And he promises to walk beside us every step of the way. I will never leave you nor forsake you. 100% of the time, Jesus can be at your side. And I don't know about you, but just, just having somebody there in person with flesh on, I mean the real deal, just walking through life with you, that can mean a lot. And Jesus wants to come alongside of you if you'll let him. He loves you. God so loved the world, <clears throat> that also means that Jesus loves those who are, who are living without a shepherd. They don't have direction. There's no one helping them through life. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You know, it's, it's easy to love people who are like you, right? I often say to my wife, if, 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 only the world, if only the people in the world were all like me, it would be a wonderful place. And she would say, no, it wouldn't. It definitely would not be a great place. <laughs> it's easy to love people like us. And it's easy to love the people that we, we go to church with. I mean, they, they, they sort of look like us. They, they sing like us. They pray like us. They believe like us. They eat too much at church potlucks like us. I mean, they're, they're like us. But what about, what, about people, what about the people who don't follow Jesus yet? What, what about people who don't love Jesus and they live a very different kind of life? What about them? The Bible says when Jesus saw the homeless and the battered women, and the schizophrenics and the epileptics and the forgotten and the foster children and the autistic... When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. He cared about them. My wife is a dangerous person to go out walking in the streets with. One time we were in Toronto and we were walking downtown Toronto and, you know, there may be a few panhandlers in the city of Toronto, I'm just saying. And... Patty just kept giving money away. Just to every homeless guy or gal she saw, she'd, she'd give uh, you know, some money away. I said, you realize that's your, that's your coffee money you're giving away. <laughs> yeah, she's compassionate. I said, honey, I can't walk by them and not give them something. That's compassion. Jesus had compassion on these people, and he loved them because they were hopeless and helpless. They... They needed somebody to rescue them and shepherd them. That's, that's what the shepherd does. He, he guides and directs and, and helps and nudges people along the way. That's what Jesus does. That's who Jesus is. He's the great shepherd of the sheep. And you know, we, we have a lot of people in Windsor and in Essex County who are like lost sheep. They have no one to guide them, no one to help them, no one to encourage them. Who will do that if we don't? See, the, the onus is on us. It's on you to have compassion on people. 
It's not the sole responsibility of the pastor or the spiritual leaders of the church. It's our responsibility to love all and have compassion on people who are helpless and hopeless and without a shepherd. We want to we guide them into the shepherd fold. We want them to know our shepherd. We want them to know Jesus. Who's going to help them? Who's going to share with them if we don't? God so loved the world. That, that means that Jesus loves those who are marginalized by society. And it also means that Jesus loves those who are living without a shepherd. And what's more, Jesus loves those who are far from God. In Luke chapter 19, on the day when Jesus rode into the city of Jerusalem just before he was crucified, we call that Palm Sunday, he wept over the city. That's what Luke says. He he wept when he saw the city of Jerusalem, his beloved Jerusalem. It moved him to tears. He wept over the city because her citizens were far from God. He knew just how far away they really were from their heavenly father. They had a form of religion, right? They went to the temple on a regular basis. They gave alms to the poor. They had certain prayers that they prayed, and they had days of cleansing and, and, and festive days that they observed. They had a, they had a form of religion, but, but they rejected the Savior. They, they had a spiritual interest, so to speak, but they had no personal relationship with the Father. And I'll bet that there are some people here today who are religious people. You might even use, use the term Christian to describe yourself, but you're still a long way from God. You're still far from God. Even religi- religious people can be far from God. And, and you might be farther from God than you know. Oh, and I don't mean to offend anybody, you, you, but you, you might be a church attender, you might even be a member of, of some church, a Catholic church or Anglican church or United Church or some, some, some other church. You might even be a member of a church, but you're still far from God because you don't have a personal relationship with Him. It doesn't matter what brand of church you go to or what the church looks like or doesn't look like. What really matters is whether or not you know Jesus as your Savior, this child who was born a king, who grew up and, and eventually went to the cross and was buried as a dead man and he came out of the grave alive on the third day. When you have faith in him, your life is changed. <laughs> I, I remember like it was yesterday, my very first Christmas as a new follower of Jesus, a new believer in Jesus. I cried most of the holiday season because I, again, it was just like one of these things. I'd celebrated Christmas before, but I'd never celebrated Christmas before. Not like this. Not as a follower of Jesus. And earlier that year, I'd come to the place where I realized, like, like many of you have, that you are far from God. I, I was, I was religious-leaning. I was spiritually uh, tuned in. Uh, I'd read the Bhagavad Gita. I'd taken transcendental meditation courses. You know, I was, I was doing everything I could to get to God. 
So I was spiritually minded, but I was still a long, long, long way from the Father. But I came to the place where I, I, I just, I, I got to make a change. I've been reading all these spiritual books, but my life was still the same. And then some friends told me about the love of God. Uh, I mean, they, they spoke to me about God's plan of salvation. But man, oh man, when they said, God loves you, I was hooked. I mean, I, I'd, have gone, I'd have gone the rest, nine yards down the field with them just on that concept that God loved me. Because I grew up in a home where there wasn't a lot of love. I grew up in a home where I never heard my father say to me, I love you, son. So, so to hear that God loves me was mind-blowing back in those days. These friends told me about God's plan of salvation. They spoke to me about the love of God, and they explained how a, a holy, loving God sent His one and only Son to be born of a virgin named Mary. He grew up in a way that was pleasing to God and helpful to the people around Him, but eventually He gave up His life and died on a cross and was buried in an empty tomb, and on the third day He rose again from the grave, and someday a relationship with this Jesus would lead me to heaven. I'm telling you, I was hooked. I was captivated by this Christmas story come to life. And, and they really emphasized the fact that God loves me just the way I am. That was hard for me to believe. If you knew what kind of life I was living, it's hard to believe that God loved me just the way I am. But they said, He, he loves you too much to leave you that way. He wants to change you. He loves you just the way you are, but He wants to bring change. So God loves me. God loves you. But we're separated from God because of our sin. And that's a problem. God loves us and doesn't want to punish us, but He's holy and can't stand to be in the presence of sin. And so... That's a problem. There's a major problem. We're separated from God by this huge chasm that is, that is a result of sin and disobedience to the will of the Father. And the wages of sin is death. The Bible's very clear about that. The wages of sin is death, which means eternal separation from God. And if you're eternally separated from God, there's only one other place you can go. And it's not pleasant. So at that very moment, I, I realized that I was one of those people who was far from God, distant, isolated. I mean, I had spiritual interest, but that's not enough. It's not enough to know about God. We must be in a relationship with Him. But then my friend explained just how I could become a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ the Lord. Jesus is the, he is the bridge between uh, a holy God and sinful people. Jesus is the one who can bridge that gap between sin and holiness. Jesus is the bridge between us and God. I could have my sins forgiven. I could, I could step into a new relationship with God through faith. 
I could have access to grace and forgiveness forever. I, I could live free and forgiven. I could live an abundant and meaningful spiritual life. Wow! And all of that comes as a gift from God. There's nothing I can do to earn it or buy it, and nothing I've done that deserves it. It's a gift. For by grace are you saved through faith. And, and this is a gift of God, not as a result of work, so that nobody can boast. All I had to do was turn away from my sin, they said, and step across the bridge, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ alone for salvation, and I would be free. And I did. That, that very afternoon, and in the privacy of my own apartment, I got on my knees and repented of my sins and just asked the Lord Jesus to forgive me and to become my Lord and Savior, and He did. My life was changed. I mean, radically, radically changed. And that's the story of Christmas, you see. That's the essence of Christmas. God loves the world. He loves you, and He loves me. God sent His Son, Jesus, to be born of a virgin so that He could go to the cross and pay the penalty for your sin and mine. God's love makes a difference. God's love changes people from the inside out. God's love really changes everything. So I wonder if you might be ready this morning. I wonder if you would be ready to take the same step that I took years ago. I wonder if we have people in our audience this morning who are at that place where they say, you know, I'm spiritually leaning, but I, I don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Some of you here today may be ready and willing to put your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ alone for salvation. Not in your baptism, not in your confirmation, not in your church going, not in the size of your Bible. But put your faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. Some of you may be right there, like I was years ago. I, I, was that, I, I came primed and ready for that meeting that day and then that afternoon uh, in the privacy of my own apartment, asked Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I'm wondering if you'd be willing to take that step today. Step across the line of faith. Put your trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. Prayer is a simple way that you can express your newfound faith in the Lord Jesus. And in a moment, I'd like to lead you in prayer. And if you're, if you're standing on that precipice this morning, you're, you're standing on the edge of that cliff, you can step out onto that bridge. It's going to hold you. It's going to sustain you. The bridge is Jesus, and He will never disappoint you in this moment of salvation. So I encourage you, if you are there, today is a good day for salvation. Would you bow with me in prayer, please? Father, first of all, I want to pray this morning for every person in this room. I pray that you would uh, peel back the layers of religious tradition in all of our lives, Peel back the layers of skepticism and doubt. And Lord, just give us the gifts of repentance and true faith that we need to believe. And hear us now, Lord, as we pray uh, these words. So friend, if you're ready right now to put your trust in the Lord Jesus as your Savior, then why don't you pray these words in your heart as I pray them out loud. 
Dear Lord Jesus, I, I need you. I, I understand that you came to earth to save me from my sins, to provide a full and purposeful life for me, but I have not been living for you. I've not considered you to be the number one in my life, and I'm sorry for that. Right now, I repent of my sins and disobedience and stubborn self-will, and I come to you in faith. I pray as as I place all of my faith and all of my trust in your life and death and resurrection that you will receive me as one of your adopted sons or daughters. Lord, I know that you love me deeply because your love, O God, is like a mighty flood pouring out on us right now. Thank you. I want to make a personal connection with you by faith. And I declare to the seen and the unseen worlds that I have placed my faith in Jesus And because of that, I'm born anew by the power of God. I've been changed. I accept that by faith. It's too soon to see if there's any evidence of that change, but I'm placing my faith in you today, Lord Jesus. I've been found by God, my Savior. I've been freed from my sins and myself this Christmas. I've been saved. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You are mighty to save. Thank you for the gift of salvation. And so, Lord, we, we also want to pray for the folks in our circle of influence this morning, people right in our, our service who prayed that prayer of faith with me just a moment ago. We pray for their future growth as disciples, as followers of Jesus. We pray that you'd encourage them and strengthen them. Pray that each one who prayed that prayer would maybe turn to a friend or a family member even today and say, hey, just want you to know that I prayed that prayer with a pastor. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus saved me in that moment. Father, I pray that you'd give our folks who just stepped across the line that boldness and that freedom to tell somebody else so that we can rejoice joy to the world. I pray that you will sustain them in the days ahead, that you'll guard and protect this new commitment, this fresh commitment to Jesus as Lord and Savior of all. In his name we pray with thanksgiving and praise. Amen.